on a scale of one to ten, how big a Dolly Parton fan are you? I would say I have a very um, growing appreciation for Dolly Parton. Um, if you had have asked me two decades ago, I would have given you like a two or three answer. I am definitely closer to a ballpark of an eight to ten for Dolly Parton. Is that because you hadn't seen her ample bosom two decades ago, or <laughs> I mean, is the growing appreciation in your pants? <laughs> <laughs> oh man i think two decades ago that's all i would have thought about now i think i love dolly for um the work she's been doing to sort of help other people and i strangely have a growing appreciation for older country and western music too yeah i get it you just read it for the articles i understand oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, welcome to bad movies and beer i'm cooper and i'm nolan and today we are discussing the 80s disastrous flop of a country western comedy, Rhinestone, starring the improbable combination of Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> what a tremendous partnership. Stallone, not known for his comedy. You mean you didn't like his always overacting uh, delivery? I think this is what happens when non-comedic actors try to act like funny. They're hamming it up. It's all exaggerated, cartoonish, I would say. Yeah, that definitely takes place with Sylvester's performance in this one, for sure. As opposed to all those other serious performances where he's not even the least bit cartoonish. As I'm, <laughs> as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I love Stallone, though. I mean, you know, we'll get oh. to our ratings later, but I was thrilled to watch this. Yeah, no, I, when you told me this was something that existed, I thought, this is going <laughs> to be a pleasure to watch. I, yeah. I had no idea, but I was definitely excited to, uh, to see how this would turn out. And we, uh, we watched it, we saw how it turned out, and now we're going to talk about it. But before we do... The beer this week, this is another slam dunk. We've been on fire with these beer choices lately. I'm starting to think breweries are just um, like trying to set us up here. They, they've heard about the podcast and they've decided, let's just <laughs> each make a beer. That, hey, uh, got, some of them have yeah. uh, reached out to us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's true. We're starting to connect a little bit. It'd be great if anyone, any brewers would reach out and we could uh, come up with an idea for a movie beer combo. That oh, would yeah. Be hit fun. us up anytime. Yeah. Um, so this one, Rhinestone Cowboy by Big Rock Brewery. Uh, Big Rock, I think, is originally out of Calgary, so it's kind of nice for us to get a beer from out of province. They've been around since 1985, so they've they've been around for a long time. I think that's when the Calgary one opened up, and uh, they sort of dedicated themselves to making kind of artisan quality beer, but they have, I think, really large production capability now, so you can get a lot of their beer in sort of our LCBOs or any of the other places where beer is available to you. Um, and I'm excited to try this. I've definitely had a couple beers. I noticed that their name is Big Rock, but they have a very large rooster on the can and symbol of their beer. Is there some wordplay there? I think so. I wonder if initially they wanted to call themselves uh, Big uh, <laughs> 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 Like, why up for that one? Uh, I was going to say rooster, but I decided to let you beep out the, uh, I will, the yeah. C word. I'll yeah. take care of that. Yeah. Not a problem. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm excited about with this one? Lagered Ale. <laughs> Not an IPA. This oh. is nice for me. Lagered Ale is, um, I don't know. I guess you're doing some lagered techniques to make a lagered ale. I need to figure this out. I'm going to do a little research after this. Maybe I'll be able to report back in another episode. Like a lager and ale are very different style of beers. Um, a lager takes much longer to ferment and tends to be very smooth and easy drinking. And ales tend to be faster at fermenting, but have stronger flavors in them. 
Maybe like another Sylvester Stallone movie that we already watched. They're meeting each other halfway. Is that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good connection. It, it's probably an ale that they use lagering techniques, some kind of, maybe it sits longer in a fermenter or something. I don't know. Either way, I'm excited to try it. So why don't we crack these bad boys open? Yeah, let's do it. Oh. So we open with the sweet sounds of Dolly Parton and shots of New York City at night including the obligatory Statue of Liberty shot that we've seen in literally every movie set in New York ever. I lost my mind. This is starting <laughs> to become something that's so extreme. I loved last week when we watched Hell Comes to Frogtown that they almost spoofed us on it. Yep, they did. <laughs> they did the slow-mo on the statue. But this has become just ridiculous. Yeah, we talked about it back when we did The Exterminator. It's every movie in New York right away. From there, we kind of zoomed through some other shots, and we are starting off at a country bar called Rhinestone. Right away, we've got it. We see a luxury car pulling up, and the man who gets out is greeted by a valet. How would you describe the outfit this guy is wearing? <laughs> wow. Um, he wears so many outfits in this movie. I'm trying to remember the very first one. It's it's probably a very 70s-style suit. Oh, yeah, it's white. Yeah, with yeah. Kind of a big collar. Really, really thick collars um, and very open chest. Like, he's got it wide open. I think the shirt underneath is unbuttoned to about his belly button. For me, <laughs> not that far, but it's definitely there's more the top button for sure. For me, it's kind of like a Liberace meets Saturday Night Fever kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair description of it. And this character is definitely trying to embrace, it feels like, both of those sort of personalities. Well, he's very happy being rich and being a club owner. And he comes into the rhinestone like a wrecking ball, making all kinds of jokes and comments that the bar staff and patrons are not amused by. Dolly Parton wraps up the first song with some of her trademark charm and exits the stage. And we transition from there to some Japanese tourist stereotypes who flagged in a taxi being terribly driven by none other than Sylvester Stallone playing the role of Nick. <laughs> yeah, this cab driving scene, he is trying to put out his first comedy of the movie and it falls really, really flat. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, they want to go for sushi, but he tries to steer them towards some Italian instead. We've got our classic culture clash. That'll be a recurring theme to this movie. But the whole time he's wearing like a sleeveless bomber jacket. <laughs> so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, he is just playing as hard a stereotypical Italian as possible. We definitely lean really hard into stereotypes in this film. I mean, it's the 80s and it's a comedy, but it's pretty rough. Oh, everybody. Everybody in this is a stereotype. Back at the bar, Mr. Hugo is trying to put the moves on Dolly Parton, but she isn't having it. He's basically just trying to bang her, but we get the impression that he's got some kind of management contract that he's holding over her. She does fire off a nice line here when she says, Freddie, there are two kinds of people in this world, and you ain't one of them. <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but I enjoy it. I think it's like, it's like their uh, southern accent. It kind of puts it over. Yeah, Freddie is a sleazebag. We've talked a lot about how there were no 80s pervs. I stand this. by that. Freddie must put that notion to a bit of a challenge. No, you said it yourself. He's a sleazebag. He's not a perv. I mean, also, talk, talk recurring themes. Everyone in this movie tries to bang Dolly Parton. <laughs> so how is that? Yeah, than else? I yeah. mean, the way that he approaches and tries to bang all the women in this movie, though, uh, anyone Freddie could get a hold of. He definitely wants Dolly more than anyone else. But He's got the privilege. He's rich. He thinks he deserves it. While this is going on, Stallone is trying his best to murder these tourists with his awful driving. And perhaps because of his compelling argument against deli sandwiches, they decide that instead of sushi or sandwiches, they would like to go to a country bar. Stallone knows just the place, and obviously so do we. Where did this thing come with the sandwiches? Where did that come from? 
Yeah, it was a weird transition. He was talking about sushi being dangerous because of the raw fish, and then somehow that connected to deli meat also potentially being dangerous, I feel. We head back to the rhinestone. Turns out it's amateur night, and the audience is out for blood. The nice first act comes on stage to jeers, but actually seems to be doing okay at first, at least until the audience starts paying attention to his lyrics and realizes that he's telling the story of a woman who got killed by a tractor. Yeah, he comes out, he's got a big scar on his face, and he's like kind of tough. They make fun of him early, and he snaps a mic stand in half to show them that he means business. Yeah. Um, but when he gets into the sort of lines about his love being scattered everywhere, they lose their mind. And unfortunately for him, he sort of heads off sad because this is a true story. Yeah, they literally laugh him off the stage. Tractor accidents, always funny. Yeah, this it is weird. This audience that they have come up with for the open mic nights. I guess they're trying to tell us something about New York City audiences. But they're not wrong. Notoriously difficult. Yeah, Yeah. but uh, definitely, definitely a funny interaction here for sure. Now you know who does not find it funny though is Dolly Parton. She sees all of this and is furious that Freddie is wasting his time on various randos instead of doing anything for her career. She's incredulous. And claims that she could do a much better job of turning someone into a country music star. And he decides to make a bet with her. If she can take an ordinary, everyday New Yorker and get him through a song without the audience destroying him, he will release her from the management contract. But if she can't, she has to sleep with him. This is the plot of this movie. <laughs> we almost should have opened with this. The uh, the This is what the movie is. It is Dolly having to turn Sylvester Stallone into a country singer in two weeks. Uh, so that she doesn't have to bang this sleazy dude and have an ex- five-year extension on her like contractual yeah, obligation. That's right, he's going to extend the contract, yeah. She's confident in her abilities, and good for her. They addition a couple of winos before they land on Stallone. Uh, these guys are both terrible. Although, actually, when I think about it, compared to Stallone, pretty comparable. Really, <laughs> a, a the winos, up. is that what you're saying? I mean, they don't look as good as Stallone, but yeah. in terms of singing... Oh, I mean, their auditions were, were pretty awful. Um, but the first few bits of singing we get from Stallone are just so over the top. It's right up there, yeah. yeah. After seeing them, Dolly Parton says that she will literally take the next person she sees and right on cue, Stallone's taxi gets into an accident in front of them. <laughs> like, just immediately, oh. come on. All of it is just so unbelievable that it, you can't help but laugh at some of it. It's not because the performances are nuanced or anything else is, is good, but you have to laugh at what's happened to make this a reality. Yeah, you're not laughing at the comedy. You're laughing at the gall of the screenwriter is just slapping you in the face with it like... I'll take the next person, car crash. Like, oh my God, of course. Yeah, we've got two movies back-to-back on the podcast where just the kind of decision to go with and write in this way is incredibly laughable. So it makes for a great movie choice for us. Speaking of connections to the last movie, Stallone doesn't like country music, which is a problem. So he tries to bail out, but first he tries to nail Dolly Parton like everyone else. And then she rejects him. She calls him a horny toad. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a country expression. It is, and he did not take kindly to being called a horny toad. He did not. Storms out of there. Now, as far as Freddie's concerned, that means he wins the bet. Dolly wants to pick someone else, but Freddie says it's Stallone or nothing. So the next day, she heads down to the dispatch station to try to find him, asking for the driver who got in an accident last night. The owner has no idea what she's talking about, but quickly finds out when Stallone pulls in with a damaged cab. So he's fired. (laughs) Yeah, so Stallone's future as a cabbie is not looking so good right now so dolly sort of tries to convince him that hey you got nothing else going on 
Let's do this. Yeah, and she's got a little bit of an ace in the hole here because part of her deal with Freddie was he had to cover any expenses that pop up in the course of this bet. So she gets him to agree to pay for the repairs on Stallone's taxi so he won't lose his job. Stallone actually sees an opportunity here, and instead he negotiates it. So instead of Freddie just repairing the cab, which belongs to his boss, Stallone will get a taxi of his own. Now he pushes for this after about three minutes of him making terrible jokes about literally everything in Freddie's apartment. Including a cancer joke about a bald statue? Yeah, he just goes on a bad comedy tour here from object to object. I was hoping that that wasn't improv, but I also hope it wasn't written because it was super tasteless. I was going to say, who would you lose more respect for in that scenario, Stallone or the screenwriters? Like, if it's an improv, you lose respect for Stallone, right? Yeah. But if it was the screenwriters... Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like maybe it's better if it's improv because then you can throw it off as, like, someone wasn't thinking. But if it was written down and then read by multiple people and carried through, then well, just but, classless. But, but either way, it was you know, multiple people. Like the it was edited. Edit, edit, I know. Like how the, how the yeah. fuck did that shit get through? Like, cancer wasn't uh, funny in the 80s. I don't think so. I was, I was too yeah. young to remember. I, yeah. I would assume it's never funny. We've got a deal, and Dolly Parton tries to impart to him that this isn't going to be as easy as he thinks it is. His reaction to this is to try to lure her to his apartment, and we get like two minutes of innuendo about his organ. Go to your house, huh? I suppose that's so you can show me your organ, right? <laughs> and why do you think I'm conning you? I'm telling you, I really do have this big organ. Yeah, it makes <laughs> some jokes about secret. having a large organ. It kind of worked, but it's it's the maturity of the humor that is so low in here. And I don't know, I guess, is that screenwriters? Is it Stallone? Is it both? I don't know, but when you consider the fact that eventually they end up together, spoilers, how they get from this point to that point Seems like a bridge too far for the runtime of this movie. <laughs> oh, but we have seen in many a movie where there's no way that two people should be getting together, but inevitably it has to happen. Yeah, that's for sure. When they get back to his place, we learn that he lives above his father's funeral parlor. They climb up the fire escape in order to avoid all of the coffins and dead people, but it turns out after even more organ puns that by far the scariest thing in the building is his singing voice. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's awful. It sounds like a dying cat. It is just loud screeching and yelling sounds. There is no attempt to actually be melodic or sing in any way. And it just, it seems like he can't actually be trying, right? Like, this is where the comedy is so over the top. It's not even like he's trying to sing well, but he's just trying to be an asshole is what it feels like. Yeah, someone should have reined him in on this because it's, it's, he's just unhinged. Yeah, oh yeah, and the worst part is, as a part of this scene, as he's singing this horrible caterwauling Tutti Frutti, uh, we can look down from above and see that there is actually a funeral going on. <laughs> yeah, that's the big laugh for this scene. The organ he's playing, of course, belongs to the funeral home. It's the house organ. And yeah, there's an actual funeral going on. So his dad, speaking of stereotypes, races up the stairs to yell at him, as apparently this has also happened before. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> How many times have I told you, son? No organ during the funeral. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, you had just sort of defended Freddy for not being an 80s oh, perv. How yeah. about Stallone's dad? Well, that yeah, that's a tougher case to make because he has a little sidebar with Stallone about Dolly Parton's body, like, right in front of her. He asks Stallone if he can handle it, and if not, just call. So what's the end game here? Are they going to tag team her? Brooklyn Bridge? Or is the dad just going to like God. demonstrate some techniques by banging her in front of Stallone? Like this, son. You do it like this. Like, I think what, it's... What, who's the end game? Based on the relationship they develop in here, it is the latter. It is that last option you presented. Dad wants a shot and he's willing to show Stallone how, how it goes. Yeah, just, just give a holler if you're in trouble. It's, it's the perviest, creepiest <laughs> father-son relationship that I maybe have... Well, well, now hang on. Yeah. First of all, he's Italian. 
So, you know. Is that normal for Italian dads? There, there are no Italian pervs. <laughs> Why? Are you kidding me? Didn't you see when fucking uh, Cuomo got in trouble for the, all the sex stuff and his defense was, I'm not perverted, I'm just Italian? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Standard yeah. argument. Standard. That doesn't make it right. They're a very affectionate people. <laughs> serious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the Italians, it's time for lunch. We get a classic massive Italian spread. And after commenting on how it's enough food to feed a city, Dolly Parton tells Stallone's parents that she's going to take him back home to Tennessee where he can learn something new. Unbelievably, even to Stallone, Dolly's sass manages to overwhelm his stereotypical Italian mother, and it looks like he'll be leaving the Big Apple for the very first time. Yeah, this. Uh, how old do you think he is in this? How old is Nick supposed to be? Mid twenties. Yeah, you think by your mid twenties you would have left the city in which you were born at least once. I mean, the thing about New York is you kind of have everything you need there, right? It's sort of like you know people can't drive. You don't need to drive. So they don't know how to drive a car. So maybe they don't leave. They don't have a car. He's also not doing great financially. I guess there's probably more of this when the movie was created. Yeah. I doubt now many people who were born in New York would never have left by the time they're 25. Well, it's fish out of water time. We get an interaction with some sheep as well as Stallone failing to impress the locals with his strange habits. For example, he doesn't want to see the giant balls in the neighbor's new hog. And, <laughs> no, but hang on. But I'm kind of throwing red flags in that because I feel like most guys are up for seeing strange genitalia. Yeah. He yeah, went right? and saw like, those yeah. balls. He went and saw for those sure. balls. He, he claimed at first he didn't want to see it, but he definitely went and yeah, looked at those huge balls. balls, weird balls, like a yeah. strange you know, you know, I'm serious. People would be like, hey, uh, this guy's got an enormous uh, cock. Do you want to see it? And I think most guys would say yes. It's like a train wreck thing. Are you telling me you wouldn't say yes? I'm comfortable on a farm. I would go see the balls for sure. Because you're curious, right? That's all I'm saying. You're cu- How big are they? <laughs> How weird is it? You know what I mean? That's why you go see it. Uh, I'm, I'm really struggling at this point in the movie. When he heads to Tennessee, the stereotypes and the way he's interacting there is just so bad. I'm like ducking my head under the covers while trying to watch this. To be fair, this is a classic comedy premise. The fish out of water thing is a thing as old as time, but like they're just not doing it well. No, it's bad. Is that this time I also noticed that they've got a lot of makeup on Stallone? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He kind of looks like uh, one of those old China dolls. Like he's just covered in white and red makeup. Accentuating the cheekbones is what it is. Oh, for sure. Uh, So apparently Dolly Parton's plan for teaching this guy to sing is just throwing him out in front of a bunch of actual musicians and having him make a complete ass of himself. I did enjoy how dogs were barking, animals were just scattering. But man, they just keep going back to this one-note joke over and over and over again. He leans so hard into it, though, right? Yeah. Like, he he definitely commits to being a garbage singer. Um, and I like the way that she throws him in there. I love how much he's getting made fun in. of yeah. by the other country western singers and people in the band. But again, one-note joke, which, yeah. by the way, is one more note than Stallone can hit. <laughs> so they've got uh, work to do. Uh Starting with chopping some wood and getting him ready to ride a horse by riding a cow. She also teaches him how to eat like a country guy. And this devolves into an argument where Stallone is just dialed up to 11. He is hamming it up so hard in this dinner scene. He ends up sort of just tearing out of there. He doesn't want to stay in the dinner scene any longer and somehow ends up on the foggiest road in existence. It's very foggy, yeah. He's just walking down this road he can't see. And all of a sudden, this creepy guy in a truck comes over and tells him to get in. Yeah, what the fuck was up with this guy? There was no reason to have this in the movie. Hillbilly stereotype. Just trying to say that Southerners want to rape you? It's a deliverance thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly that's, what that's it was. all yeah. it is. Like, any Southern person who watched this would have been extremely offended by that scene for sure. Probably, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't they'd know. Be like, they'd be like, why didn't he get in the truck? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been gentle. Yeah, he passes on the ride and keeps walking and just happens to stumble upon a country bar. There's a band playing and they seem pretty decent, but the audience gives them nothing. The lead singer, Barnett Kale, has a great line here. This ain't an audience, it's an oil painting. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny, man. I like that. Uh, they pause the set and he slides up to Stallone to ask him about the big city. He's specifically focused on what it's like to do heroin. What a bizarre exchange this is. Yeah, this is funny. I We had been introduced to this character's name before and we know that this is Dolly Parton's ex. Stallone doesn't know this, right? He, he, he doesn't really know about this person and they connect pretty strongly here. Yeah, I also didn't know about that. I didn't clue in until later. Maybe they mentioned I must have just missed it, but... They end up hitting it off, like you said, over what must be many, many beers. Because the next morning, Sylvester Sloan wakes up in some kind of duck coop. Been there, brother. Been there. Yeah. Face down in the dirt. He's got uh, dirt in his face, and he's got quite the hangover going. Um, he had fun, though. And Dolly Parton realizes this is the key to teaching him how to be country. Make it fun. She suggests bringing his new friend along. But when she finds out who it is, she is furious. So this is where I figured out that there's some kind of history there. Yeah, so she is not happy that her ex, and things did not end well, uh, is Nick's best friend now. Yeah, now Stallone points out that he never would have even met him if Dolly Parton hadn't called him a bum. He's very sensitive about being called a bum, which has to be a Rocky reference, right? I didn't get that until you just brought it up, but I, I think you're right. Because that's his whole thing in Rocky, is want to be a bum, like whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's fair. Anyway, they make an uneasy truce, and we launch into our next musical number. I believe it's called Drinkenstein, which Stallone sings uh, semi-decently for him in a ridiculous costume. He looks like a redneck matador. Yeah, this is a very notable scene. Like, if you only got to see one scene in the movie, it should be the Drinkenstein performance. You can probably YouTube it. Oh, it's definitely out there, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That outfit and, and the singing are... Are tremendous. I laughed a lot at this, to be honest. It was immature. It was super immature comedy. Um, but he's wearing a hat that has two uh, raccoon tails hanging off of it, and just <laughs> so many ridiculous tassels and things all over it that it, it's funny. Now, once the song ends, Dolly Parton gives him lessons on how to walk like a cowboy. And I have never noticed this before, but her waist is tiny. Like you always hear about an hourglass figure, but she is shaped like a literal hourglass. Yeah, her proportions are absurd in this movie, and I, I don't know if they're cutting them to be that way or if she has to wear some kind of, like, equipment to pull in her waist because it is absurd. Like, it is yeah. a proportion that is not realistic for anybody. No, no, not even a little bit. Now, Barnett Kale rolls up and kind of hijacks the lesson, drags Stallone off for more drinks, which sure seem less fun than last time, especially when Dolly Parton turns up at the bar and asks Stallone to dance. Barnett clearly still has a thing for her, and after he tries to cut in and gets denied, he and a couple of guys who Stallone offended earlier get all wound up and try and start some trouble on the D floor. This dance seems really romantic. In fact, he's practically about to tell her he loves her. Where does this come from? Like, other than him trying to bang her when they would first meet, there's been, like, zero evidence of interest from either one of them, and now all of a sudden, super romantic. I mean, when you head off to Tennessee, love is just bound to blossom. I think this is just something. If you have someone that you have feelings for, you take them to Tennessee for a weekend and you're married. It's It just happens. And here I thought Virginia was for lovers. Yeah, I guess wrong. Not, eh? wrong. No, okay. you got to go to Tennessee. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, he takes a shot at the mouth from Barnett Kale, but takes Dolly Parton's advice and ducks out before anything bad happens to him. After a short scene of back and forth in the car, they tease us with a montage, but never actually deliver it. It's a montease. It's got to be the worst kind of thing you can do to someone. I was so ready for you. Did you think it was coming? Yeah, it was coming, I, right? I was hoping for a montage for sure. 
At this time, I also, I mean, it's the 1980s, but there's so much casual drunk driving in this. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's true, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of teasing things, they're about to finally kiss. Finally? I guess it's only been a few minutes since they actually fucking liked each other, but whatever. Tennessee? It doesn't when, <laughs> when all of a sudden, Dolly Parton's dad interrupts, and we actually end the scene with all of them saying goodnight to each other from different rooms in the house. Oh, and Stallone implying he's going to have blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a good old case of the blue balls. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, I like when the dad interrupts here. The dad character is kind of interesting, right? Like he really cares about uh, Dolly and wants to take care of her, but he also is very okay with Stallone being there and maybe getting with her. It's like a strange... You would think as a Southern dad, he would be much more protective, but I guess she's also like old at this point. Well, I think that's the wrong thing to say. She's not like really old, but she's she's an adult at this point. She is an adult, yeah. yeah. Today you would call him sex positive. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. If you're like okay with your daughter like being a sexual being, essentially. Yeah. I think that she was progressive. Pro- that was progressive. Very progressive. He was yeah. sex progressive for a southern gentleman at this point in uh the nineteen eighties. This actor does a good job though. He seems like a genuinely nice guy, which is exactly what his role is. So, oh yeah. yeah. I think I think it was one of the better performances. So now it's time for a little bit of a preview set at the country bar, or I guess for them it's just a bar. And Dolly warms the crowd before introducing Howlin' Nick Martin, who refuses to come on stage. But after a quick pep talk, he gets up there and quickly fends off Barnett's heckling with a big assist from Dolly Parton. You can always tell when Barnett's been over my house. The toilet ain't never flushed and the cat's pregnant. (laughs) That's old Barnett, all right. She has got the training wheels on him here, feeding him lines and steering his performance, which thoroughly wins over the audience. They love him. They do. He cleans it up here. I'm wondering at this point, or when this performance happens, I'm like, was all that like strange screaming and caterwauling intentional to make his regular singing sound better? Yes. Oh, definitely. For sure. Set the bar super low. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was a smart decision because here he sounds passable. I agree. I thought yeah. he sounded okay during Drinkenstein, which, like, you know. Yeah. Because, again, compared yeah, gets, to the original. Yeah, oh, yeah. Drinkenstein fruity, oh cleans up for sure. Yeah. Well, they've got to like their chances for New York at this point, and sparks are flying, especially when they happen to end up in her bedroom that night to practice some chords and finally kiss. Now, here's my question for you. Who's showing more cleavage in this scene, Dolly or Stallone? <laughs> Speaking of shirts undone to the belly button, man. <laughs> Come on. It's always Stallone. Stallone is showing a lot of his body in this movie. He, uh, he definitely, that's why he was wearing a, a parka with no sleeves on it. They just had to show his muscles. Of course. Um, I can't wear this jacket. No one can see my arms. <laughs> I think what happened is they brought him a real parka and Stallone just ripped them off. This was part of the improv. <laughs> he is, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, put yeah. it on intentionally. No, 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 no. He tore them off because he knew he needed to show his arms. But, Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting romantic here. Definitely. Now, the next day, they're back in New York, and Stallone's family throws him a welcome home party. They're glad to see him and her, especially Stallone's dad, who spends like five minutes smelling her hair while she gives a speech about how she's going to win the bet and Nick's going to win a taxi. He's just fucking standing behind her, like smelling her. It's so weird. Yeah, this dad character is just so much. I, I just can't. Like, he is an 80s perv. No, he's Italian. <laughs> Oh, this this is funny. After he has this like great performance in Tennessee, that he gets a standing O, which I thought was funny. He is brimming with confidence. He has decided that he is now going to be a country music superstar. Yeah, he's got a little too much confidence, and that's kind of where things take a turn. Stallone reveals that he does not want to go back to driving a taxi. He's had a taste of success and really thinks he can go all the way with this singing thing. Dolly Parton wisely doesn't want to kind of pump the brakes, and this turns into a huge argument. 
Does his father, when they get to that party, call him Hop Along Meatball? I believe he does, yes, which is, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. It reminded me of both the Jersey Shore and uh, yeah. Tennessee, so it was good. I thought it, it put that It's the together. perfect combination, yeah. Uh, yeah. The scene ends with her storming out, and they once again tease with a montage. This is the exact place for a montage. They could have shown us scenes of them walking around, staring off into the distance, playing music separately. Maybe Stallone smashes something. But instead, we just get a slow zoom on Dolly Parton singing a song about heartbreak. I mean, this is a good song, but what a fucking tease. Where's the montage? It's funny because this would be the montage that happened in our Neil Diamond movie. Yes. Right? This is the Neil Diamond montage where he gets angry and turns into a cowboy. Yeah, for but Salone grows a beard as he's... Yeah. <laughs> so we've already seen this happen, right? If you get, go into a sad montage, you're likely to be a cowboy. And maybe that's what Dolly had hoped. She's like, I need to win this bet. I need to put him through the sorrow required to become a great country western singer. I have to break his heart here. I mean, every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. We referenced yes. that in the jazz singer. Also, yeah. A lot of similarities between the jazz singer in this as well. A ton, a ton. Movie bomb, soundtrack success. Yeah, yeah. Who's a better actor though, Dolly Parton or Neil Diamond? <laughs> uh, I mean, Dolly. I was gonna say, yeah, I love, Neil, I love Neil Diamond, but uh, well, she's been in a few things at this point. Yeah. She's already been in uh, fucking uh, nine to five, and uh, Dolly can act. Yeah. When well, you ask I mean, me at the Well, now this, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> she can act like a woman from the South. Yes. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. There's a great... You ever seen that movie? No. Her and Burt Reynolds. Great stuff. Oh. It's a musical. Nice. Oh, I would probably enjoy yeah. that. You, I, everyone would. So... <laughs> She blames herself for all of this and is seriously worried about what will happen regardless of the way this bet goes. So she decides to try to convince Freddie to call it off. And it seems like he was expecting her because he opens the door in a silk robe. Yeah. Yeah. This guy has a pervy apartment too. It's got some heavy like date rape vibes for sure. He, he clicks an, a button and it opens up a sliding door into a bedroom yeah. that is a circular bed that spins. Definitely. I also liked his, uh, his like fireplace that wasn't really a fireplace. It was like three neon flame-shaped lights that like alternated when he turns it on with like a remote control. Does he also have a sign that declares him the Manhattan love machine? Uh, I don't know if he has a sign. I think he mentioned, I think he called he himself, calls that. himself maybe, that. If there's a yeah. sign, maybe. But yeah. anybody who walks in that apartment knows what he's hoping is going to happen. Yeah. His intentions are all over that place. Very much so. Much like his s***, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you don't want to run a blacklight through God, that. no. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Ugh. Meanwhile, at the bar, the hecklers are just running wild. Apparently, Freddie has stacked the crowd with the biggest hecklers in New York, which cracked me up because how does someone gain that reputation? I pictured those movies where like, the ex-Special Forces guy gets dragged out of retirement for one more job because he's the only one with the skills to do the job, only in this case, the job is heckling bad country singers. What a weird fucking thing to stake your reputation on. I did love how they said that, but then it was the exact same fucking audience from the start. Oh, yeah. No, it, they didn't bring a, they didn't bring a single no. different person in. <laughs> there i was like i love how you hyped up that you brought out the biggest hecklers and that was the exact same crowd as from the beginning i mean they're pretty strong hecklers at the beginning oh too, yeah they did yeah. a good job i guess it's just always full of the best hecklers in new york found the best hecklers in new york oh it's my fucking God. ridiculous i mean there's probably some people that are like known for that people uh, people head out to those shows how the artists learn that know? person's name I don't know if they go to enough shows or they get kicked out enough. Oh, my God. Wonder yeah, if you, you know, can you get blacklisted? Can you get kicked yes. out of it? Yeah. Absolutely. Are you okay. kidding me? Of course you can. All right. I mean, not not a night like this, though. No, This no, is exactly no, no. what Freddie wants. The promoter wants this. Yeah. Stallone is nervous and clearly hoping that Dolly Parton will show up, but a busty waitress at the bar tells him to forget it. She is definitely not coming, and it's probably at Freddie's place. 
which she is. And oh my God, we've already talked about this house. It's horrifying. He also, we forgot to mention though, he puts on an album of like jungle sounds. <laughs> yeah, nothing to get you in the mood more than animalistic uh, moans and groans, right? Yeah. Oh, it's a full court press. He's just put on a full court press here. <laughs> so Stallone's not so happy to hear that uh, Dolly's there because in their time in Tennessee, he's fallen madly in love. Of course. And so how is he going to get there and back uh, so that he can still do this performance? Because, you know, he is going to do it. He is. Yeah, he tries for a taxi, can't get one, tries to get the bus. The bus leaves without him. So he jumps on a horse and after more than a little bit of difficulty, manages to ride the horse all the way to Freddie's apartment. Which leads to kind of a comedy spot where the building security is upset about him bringing a horse in the building until they find out who he's going to visit. And then we get a far less hilarious scene of Stallone trying to break the front door down while we hear the audible sounds of Freddie attempting to rape Dolly Parton. Yeah, this is a very rough scene. One, the charges on the door are pretty pathetic. Stallone is strong. He should be able to take this thing out pretty easy. I agree. And then we have, uh, yeah, Freddie just being completely inappropriate on the other side. Eventually, he breaks it down, though. He sure does. And it turns out there's still time to win this bet, but they have to race back across town to the rhinestone, which they do. He figures they'll just fire off in a round of that sweet duet from earlier, but she lets him know that he's got to perform by himself for the bet to count. Now she tells him this? He's on in like 30 seconds. How did you ever mention this until now? Yeah, he wasn't prepared for this, but they had fortunately practiced and planned many other songs. Yeah, but he tries one of those other songs, kind of a slow country song, and fucking bombs. So he decides to do it his way and get the crowd fired up with some hip gyrations and call and response. Let me hear all the horny women in the audience say, Yeah! Wow! I knew you were out there. I thought this weird turn of him getting heckled by everyone into getting them eating out of the palm of his hand was just so dumb. Like, it was just fucking ridiculous. I was pretty angry because all he yells is, yeah, where are the horny women? Yep. And then he says, where are the studs at? And then the men yell. And then all of a sudden, they're on his side. Just well, a little call and response telling yeah. them that they're horny and that there's some studs in the crowd. Well, they're not going to not yell. They wouldn't be a stud. No, come on. I know. They had to yell. And then he breaks into just a song about f- no, it's the same duet from before. Yeah. Only he's just doing a solo. Stay yeah. out of my bedroom is the song. And the audience is standing, clapping, singing along. It's like someone flipped a fucking light switch. This came out of nowhere. This was not the group of best hecklers that were hyped. No, they are all in on this. It's like they're running out of film and realized they only had five minutes of a movie left to wrap this whole thing up. So they just fucking do it. That's where yeah. this comes from. It's like out of nowhere. It's true. Uh, some of the lines in this song are pretty hilarious. Stay out of the bedroom if you can't take the heat is a pretty glorious one. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that one. Anyway, that, this is what they do. They wrap the movie up. It's over. Freddie hands over the contract after asking how Dolly Parton is in the sack. And they sing us into the credits with another duet. And I have to say, Stallone is so outclassed in every singing scene. It just isn't even funny. He's just shouting half the time. And the other half, it's the vocal equivalent of like a baby deer trying to stand up. <laughs> I don't know. It cleans up a lot as it moves through. And, and I feel like at the end, um, he's really gained that performing confidence, right? Like he is, despite how um, obscene it is that the crowd now is on his side, he looks confident on stage with Dolly in this final performance. We forgot to mention that he's essentially wearing like a fringed Elvis Presley leather jumpsuit. Someone in the audience actually calls him like fucking country Elvis or something. This is where the rhinestone cowboy stuff comes from. I guess, right? yeah. Like, this is a full rhinestone suit and this is what we were waiting for all along. This movie, we think, is based off of the rhinestone cowboy song. I mean, that was the fact that you brought this. I don't know for sure, but they played the song in the movie and yeah. he is himself certainly... 
the rhinestone cowboy. I'm pretty sure that's where this whole kind of idea came from. And it even says, I think, in the the opening credits that it's based off of that song. The the hard part about Stallone is just how over the top he is in everything. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Again, it's it's what happens when non comedic actors try and play comedy. They go too broad with it. It's too yeah. big. But how did you feel about the very ending, though? The fact that it all works out and they're going to be together and whatever. No. Did you watch into the credits? Oh, they just keep singing into the credits. Oh, you did not watch till the the CNNs, did you? Freeze frame kiss. To oh, end it all. I did not notice that. Yes. Yeah, so if you watch to the sort of like halfway or through most of the main credits, the song ends and there's a strong freeze frame kiss. I guess we have to sound that off. I didn't even realize that. I don't know if that counts though because it's already in the credits. I, I can't believe I missed that. I'm I so thought upset. it would count for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I watched that thinking of you. I was like, oh shit, that, they just freeze frame for Cooper there. You know what? I did not stay around to hear the end of the song because I was not, I was not into the singing enough. Oh, I better hear the end of this. By one. the end, they had they had pulled me into their world. Dolly and Stallone oh had God, made Jesus. me listen to the end of this song. It's another sweet November scenario. You're just fucking in on the romance. Oh, we're we're getting there. I don't know. We're finding out something about my romantic uh, movie watching habits. Apparently, apparently. And so yeah, that's it. We clock out at a surprising 110 minutes. Good lord, they couldn't trim this thing down. <laughs> I did feel it was a little long and there like, was two hours yeah. for a comedy no yeah. fucking way i felt like some of the stuff could have got cut for sure but yeah i can think of lots of things that could have been cut <laughs> from this movie uh but that's it we've reached the end here and i guess do we just go to the ratings at this point i like, think so yeah okay well um unless you're joining us for the very first time you know how this works we rate the movie two times on a scale of one to ten. One to ten for how bad it is one to ten for how enjoyable and the goal is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scales or as we call it the Crit 20. And I'll be honest, it's in play for me because I feel like this movie is 10 out of 10 bad. I like lots of the elements. Some of the songs are nice from Dolly Parton. But overall, the plot of this movie kind of paint by numbers. And like just the comedy did not land. It didn't land. It was either just stereotypical, cliched territory that's been walked over so many times. It's barely even there. I just, I got like nothing out of this. Whatever the vision was, they did not execute it. And funnily enough, almost everyone involved in the movie agrees with me. The original screenwriter hated the changes that Stallone made to the screenplay. Stallone hates what the director did to his movie. No one's happy about this. And that includes me. It was nominated for a shit ton of Razzies. It's widely renowned as like a horrible bomb and a complete disaster. I have this as a 10 bad. What do you think? It's bad. I agree. It is a bad movie. It belongs on our podcast. I've actually been getting a lot of questions about our bad rating lately, and maybe we pursue this later in another time, but a good movie can be on the BMB bad rating scale, right? A good movie yeah. can be between zero and four. Yeah, I feel like we've explained this before. Five would be like neutral, like yeah. neither bad nor good. Anything above a five, we're in bad territory. Anything below a five, we're in like good territory. And I think a lot of people, though, just assume that like if the movie's on the podcast, it's bad. So zero is like the lowest. But we've but, been wrong before, though. Like we had like Event Horizon, yeah. bad performance box office. We both thought it was not a bad movie at all. Yeah, which is fair, right? Yeah. Sometimes we'll pick movies, and I think that's why we need some flexibility in your skill. This movie's not going to test that flexibility because I, <laughs> I had it as a nine bad. I liked the Dolly performances and the musical performances in general. Right. I thought they worked well, um, and I thought they were well-spaced out and timed in the film. 
I grew to like the interactions between Dolly and Stallone. Oh too. my gosh. I did not get there. Yeah. I and, didn't get there. And this is going to be more in my enjoyability rating, but I think that kept it from being the 10 out of 10 bad. I agree that the whole concept is just a bad idea. The fact that it all kind of works out is cringeworthy. Um, Stallone's performance is really bad. The sleazy club promoter is awful. Oh, uh, but you know what though? Sleazy club promoters exist. Ask anybody in the entertainment industry, they will tell you there are yeah. guys like that out there. And and the person who performed it pulled off that role. It's just painful to watch, and maybe that was the intention. The sleaziest or most difficult character to watch was definitely Stallone's father. That that character. <laughs> maybe only Why revivals, do you hate Italians, no? Maybe only revive like the only worst I definitely don't hate Italian. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I have man. a lot of Italian family. Sounds like it. Um but the uh the relationship between him and his father is only rivaled by the weird relationship between him and his son in over the top. Oh, I hear what you're saying. The two oh, yeah. movies with the worst father son relationships we've watched in this entire <laughs> podcast involves <laughs> Sil- Sylvester Stallone. So I don't yeah. know what that's all about. About. something but i guess we got to go to enjoyability now i mean before we do all i'm gonna say is because you mentioned liking dolly parton's performance and i do too if this movie was meant to be a dolly parton vehicle or a vehicle for her to like sell country albums mm-hmm. sure i took this as a we're going for comedy and just like stallone could not hold up his end of the deal even a little bit whatsoever he took away from the positive dolly parton brought to it for me and we'll talk yeah. about that in enjoyable so on that note how enjoyable a movie from one to ten was this for you I think that's an interesting point. I didn't think about the movie as like clearly it was meant to be humorous, like not to take itself seriously, but I felt it was more of like a romantic comedy than a like comedy itself. Um, in terms of enjoyability, um, I did laugh at a lot of the stuff. I liked the Dolly performances. I liked them putting Stallone in the hilarious outfits and things that happened. Some of the stereotypes were difficult. Um, and I knew they would be for yeah, you. Some of, that, yeah. some of that was hard for me. Um, and it was a little bit long. Um, it, a it, little bit? Yeah, Dude. it ran a little long. I wasn't actually watching the camera. Like the Sometimes we'll watch a movie and I'll be checking the time because I just really yeah. want to know. But this one, that didn't happen to me really often. I actually had it as a 7 Enjoyable. Okay, that's uh, that's a decent score. Then, like a sixteen for you, yeah, ninety-seven. Yeah, okay. not not bad. It didn't it didn't get close to that crit twenty. Yeah. But uh, but no, I, I I did not hate watching it. I I would actually recommend others if you haven't seen it. Take a gander at this for the Dolly performances. Okay, would you watch it again? I might. Wow, this yeah, is so weird. To I me. know. It, I, just the fact that I said I might, I think I need to bump it up to an eight. Enjoyable. Whoa, whoa, what? Yeah. Wait a it's now an what? eight enjoyable. Oh it's my god! A, it, it's a nine bad, but eight enjoyable. Oh, there's something about this movie that pulled me in. I don't know if it was Dolly. I don't know if it was Stallone. Um, but something about it hooked me, and I didn't hate it. I mean, I know for a fact because uh, some, a few of our Instagram followers, I've seen posts that have been like espousing the virtue of Rhinestone as like an enjoyable watch, and like there were a couple lines I laughed at. Dolly Parton is great, essentially playing herself. Her musical performances are strong. But Stallone just took away from it for me so much. Like, I, just for me, it didn't. It didn't land. The comedy didn't land. His singing, my God, the tutti frutti, and the, like, dude. I want to bring this up because his performances in this did remind me of Keanu's performances in Sweet November. Okay. Him playing that sort of confused love lost guy was when it worked for me for Keanu, and that's kind of when it worked for me here. And I really had a connection there, but it made me also think of who sang better. Keanu or Stallone? Yeah. Fuck, that's a good question. Yeah, I need I need an answer to this. Who who did it better? The, the trick is I liked the Stallone Dolly duet, the song. I like that song more than whatever old timey song Keanu crooned in uh, Sweet November. 
different kind of songs, right? Like Stallone got away with mm. kind of like his like talk singing because it was that nature of a song. I think he, I think he pulled it off better. Right? <laughs> I think I, I think I preferred the Stallone singing to the there Keanu singing. I, I think what we need is we need an audience poll: Keanu singing over Stallone singing. We need to have we people put that up, with put that up in the Instagram stories yeah. or something. I'm very curious what happens. I don't know, man. Like it sounds crazy to say it now, but I think like by the end, I was, I was the, the duet had me. Yeah. But again, Dolly Parton is it, the two of them. Compare the two of them. It's she's blown them out of the water. So with all that in mind, how enjoyable? I only have it as a six. And I'm not going to upgrade it to a seven or an eight. I I can't say I will never watch this again, but I'm not as confident as you are. And normally it's the opposite. Normally I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it again for sure. This, I don't know, man. Like I didn't get a lot out of this. A couple good lines, like I said. I laughed at a couple things, but I just found myself recoiling from a lot of what Stallone was doing. Not a fan of this, man. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair, but how about the beer? Now that I am a fan of. This beer, one of the highlights of this season for me, easily. Just so drinkable. My God, we had a, we had a stretch of like a bunch of IPAs last week. We had the uh, the Hell's Lager, solid, good. This more clean, more crisp, more drinkable. This is like this is the kind of beer I reach for in the fridge. Very enjoyable. What do you think? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, really, really clean, really smooth. Like you said, it's one of those bears that's really, really simple to drink. And if the intention is to make it that, then they've achieved it, right? Often I will head to the fridge and look for something that makes more of a lasting impression on me. And that's just sort of in the styles of beer I choose. Um, but I think Big Rock did a really good job with this one. The Rhinestone Cowboy beer <laughs> just fits so perfectly. It works, yeah, yeah. It works. And I, I'd like to try some more um, beers from the uh, Big <laughs> Brewery. <laughs> Yeah, man, absolutely. I would try some more for sure after this. If there's anything else in the fridge like this, I'll, I'll take it for a spin. Um, now, I will tell you right now that next week, I am not going to enjoy next week's beer because next week we're back into IPA territory. In fact, it's going to be a double IPA next week yes. because next week we are watching Double Impact, the Jean-Claude Van Damme starring action where he plays twins in one movie, <laughs> double the JCVD. <laughs> Holy fuck, yeah. yes, I think I have seen this. And I mean, I've made this bold claim that I've seen movies and not seen them before. But yeah, I, that's for sure, yeah. I am definitely a big JCVD fan, and I will be excited to watch this, hopefully for a second time. But if not, I will love seeing it again. I know I've seen it, but it's been probably like 20 years. I recall fucking loving it as like a kid, and I'm just hoping that that translates again next week. We'll find out, though. Before then, if you have not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. If you have any suggestions for beer and or movies, please slide those into our DMs of our social media or send us an email at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we thank you for listening. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, tell a friend. We're always, uh, you know, looking to connect with more people. We'll be back next week with Double Impact. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it dollar. Ha ha ha. Can she turn this New York cabbie into an overnight sensation? 